You're on the Plants Grow Here podcast. I'm Daniel Fuller. Come along with me as we enter a hidden world of deep horticultural, ecological and landscape gardening knowledge with featured experts, industry professionals and enthusiasts. If you've been a landscaper for a while, you've probably moved quite a bit of mulch in your time. But do you know what the benefits of mulch are and which mulch type to select when you head to the garden centre? In this episode, we're lucky enough to have on Andre Pedroli of Perth Materials Blowing, which is the sister company of We Blow in Melbourne. He's going to walk us through some of the basics when it comes to this important landscaping material, and he may even teach us some easier ways to move mulch than how we've been doing it in the past. G'day Andre, welcome to the show. Thanks Dan. Yeah, no workers. So what are the benefits of laying mulch? Look, mulch, let's face it. It's insulation, as you wouldn't live in a house without insulation, at least over here in Perth you certainly wouldn't. You shouldn't really put in a garden without putting in mulch. Mulch is there to help retain the moisture within the soil and to, to reduce the you know, water loss from, from that system. Um, of course, there's lots of aesthetic benefits to the different types of mulch that you use as well that come into play. Hmm. And in nature you see mulch as well, you know, leaves are dropping all sorts of things like that? Look, that's just it. We're developing a, a human-influenced um, system. You know, we're, we're putting in place a, a, a new landscape. Um, we're trying desperately to, to copy those systems that we see in nature, the, 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 the leaf litter coming down from trees, the um, fallen leaves and uh, fallen limbs in the forest, uh, all of those little things add up and make a really, really significant difference to the sustainability of our landscapes. So, yeah, mulch has a huge role to play within that space. Mm, absolutely. So when you're going to lay mulch, how thick do you recommend laying it? Mulch is a bit of a funny one. Um, I think it depends upon where in the country you're really looking at as to what you prefer to see done. Within Perth, what we see is that... Generally, for most new commercial landscapes, the specs, the specs for the job would say somewhere between 75 and 100 mil deep, um, assuming mm. that it's not a playground space or something that's a little bit more specialised. And what about somewhere like Melbourne where it's a bit cooler and you've got clay? Yeah, look, my understanding of Melbourne is that you tend to install mulch a little bit thinner, um, probably around the 50 mil deep. Mark, but of course you're looking to maintain that much more regularly. Um, the thinner mm. the mulch is, the more you have to maintain it. Sadly, mm. no, that makes sense because it's sort of the sun's going to have a harsher effect on it, and you know you can sort of turn the mulch, and there's not as much beneath it. Look, that's just it. Um, the goal really is to to retain that nice thick barrier. Um, over the top of the soil to try and keep lock the moisture in and keep it keep it rolling, keep it doing its thing. Um, in Perth, we're dealing with super, super, super sandy soils. You know, the amount of sand versus the amount of loamy areas in Perth is just incredible. The soil is so hydrophobic. So as soon as you allow it to dry out, entirely allow the, prof the soil profile to dry out, then, of course, you're going to face all sorts of water repellence issues um, given the sandy soil that we're facing here. Um, that nice thick layer of mulch makes the world a difference. 
So what are some of the benefits of mulch? You know, we're sort of talking about moisture retention and stuff like that, but why does mulch work? I guess mulch is a generic term. You know, in general, here we're talking about organic mulches. We're talking about pine bark and black mulch, enviro mulch, wood chip, those types of products that are being used as a mulch. Of course, there's other products that we can use as a mulch. Gravel is a, is a classic example of that. Lots of landscapes you'll see use gravel instead of using an organic mulch. Organic mulches, when we really focus in on them, of course, bring in lots of added benefits. You know, that additional organic matter, as it does decompose, it mixes with the topsoil, it gives the plants that extra little bit of nutrients and some products like pine bark, of course, are slightly acidic. So that slight acidity to that product can influence the pH of, of the underlying soil and really uh, help to remedy some really severe, you know, severely alkaline soils that we tend to be facing here in Perth along the western um, coast, you know, throughout the coastal suburbs. There's a lot of added benefits above and beyond the, the moisture retention involved with mulch. And, of course, we can't forget the aesthetic benefits to these products. <laughs> you know, I'm a landscaper, you're a landscaper. We both know that a garden, it just doesn't quite look right until the, the lawn goes on, goes in or until the mulch goes down. Yeah. Uh, it just doesn't look quite finished. Mm. That's really, really the other key benefit to these products. Absolutely. Nothing as a maintenance gardener that I hate to see more than bare soil. Well, that's just it. You know, bare soil, it's horrendous. It, it's ugly. It, it doesn't look good. It, it reflects all of that heat, at least in Perth, you know, it's damn hot this time of year mm. lucky today it's only 30 degrees but for the most of uh, most of january it's hovering above 35 degrees each day bare soil mm. reflects all that heat back onto the plants surrounding it not to mention of course the buildings um and and, and other areas that are nearby um you know bare soil is really what we're battling we don't mm. want to see that Totally. In, even in Melbourne too, it's the same thing. Yes, we have clay soils, but that does affect soils when they're bare, even if they're clay. Yeah. Look, in Perth, we're dealing with a really, really windy environment as well. Perth has very, very strong prevailing winds every, you know, across summer. Every morning, you would typically have a strong easterly. Every afternoon, we have the Frio Doctor, the southwesterly that comes in, really does come through the city. Bare soil erodes hugely quickly. You only need to drive past a civil construction site in the middle of summer on a hot, windy day in order to see that that dust that arises from those those types of sites. Our landscapes are just the same. We make sure that we keep that, that mulch nice and thick, covering up these areas in order to reduce that erosion to keep the topsoil, whatever topsoil we may have here in Perth, as tiny as it may be, in this place so that it can continue to support life within your garden, within your landscape. Absolutely. So I guess we've established why we need to lay mulch. But how do we prepare a bed once we're ready to sort of lay that mulch on it? Do we just chuck it on top of whatever's growing there or how do we prepare that bed, Andre? Preparation, of course, is key, um, as with any 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 task in the garden. Um Depending upon the situation that you're dealing with, if you're dealing with Perth, you know, Perth classic sandy soils, and if you're dealing with a space that hasn't been mulched previously, let's just say, for instance, 
um, then applying a weighting agent to the top of the soil before laying mulch is really, really worthwhile. Next step, of course, is pulling the soil away from the surrounding edges, um, you know, whether it's paving or curbing or some other type of garden bed edging, pulling the soil away makes a huge, huge, huge difference. In the industry, we call this boxing out. If you pull the soil away and allow the mulch to sit flush level with the paving or with the curbing, mm. with that edging, it just looks good. It sits there. It doesn't overflow um, out of the garden bed and onto the, the adjacent spaces, of course, and keeps it really, really looking good and keeping it all neat and tidy. And that's something that you just can't do later on. You mm. need to do that ahead of installing the product. Mm. Then, of course, you need to decide how thick you're going to go. Are you working within an existing garden where you only need a five centimeter or 50 millimeter top up? Or are you working in a new landscape where you really do need to lay it on nice and thick? You know? Up to you as to your situation. <laughs> Do you recommend laying irrigation before or after laying mulch? Oh, look, it has to be after. <laughs> it has to be after mulch, right? Absolutely. No, you want to <laughs> stick sense. all the all the all the hoses over the top of the mulch so you can see everything. <laughs> Absolutely. No, no, so- no, you can just dig all the mulch back and then put it in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, completely, completely. Oh, who needs irrigation? Uh, <laughs> not in Perth. No, not in Perth. It's not hot enough. It's not hot over here at all. Um, <laughs> Dan, no, absolutely. Look, we find that drip line is a really, really popular irrigation method here in Perth, and I think that tends to be pretty consistent all over Australia. Between that and, of course, large um, pop-up sprinklers and large shrub-type sprinklers that, that irrigate a larger area, um, absolutely, you need to install all of those things well before installing the mulch. Um, putting those those um, yes, irrigation systems in place after the mulch is just just impossible. It's going to cause all sorts of heartbreak. Um, you know, you're using probably a pretty expensive expensive product. Um, whether you know it's expensive for you, that's that's another question. So, you know, you just want to make sure you you do things in the right order. Do the irrigation system before, then install the mulch. And uh, yeah, then do the tidy up afterwards. You were sort of talking about leveling the soil and scraping it back a little bit. Do you do that to the whole bed, or do you just do that up against the concrete edges and stuff like that? Well, you know, I think it really does come back to the situation that's at play. If you've got mm-hmm. a really big, wide garden bed, you know, the type of garden beds that we are typically working within, working in as our business. Uh, maybe a 1,000 square metres in size. They're huge. They're the types of garden beds that you see within your local park. Um, you're not going to scrape out the soil the whole way through that entire space, but you're certainly going to scrape it away from the edging for the first couple of metres, ideally. But if you're dealing with your home garden and let's say you have a strip garden bed where it's maybe a metre deep or two metres wide and 10 metres long along the fence line, then probably removing that extra bit of soil from that entire space is worthwhile anything to try and uh, keep things from overflowing later on. Got to make room for mulch. Yeah, and because that mulch is just going to roll down onto the footpaths, onto your lawn, it's going to get thrown out through the mower. You know, it can be a bit of a disaster if that mulch doesn't stay in place. Yeah, look, that's just it. Over the last couple of years here in Perth, we've seen a lot of hardwood mulches come to um, come to pass products that are uh, not wood chip. They're... Uh, composted hardwood timber 
so Jara, Mari, different species that we have local to Western Australia. And those types of products are notoriously really, really hard on lawnmowers and other, and other garden maintenance equipment. You don't want that overflowing out of your garden bed and going onto your lawn just to be munched up by your lawnmower. It's going to cause damage either to you or it's going to be thrown around like it would, like a rock would, or to, or of course it's going to cause damage to your lawnmower. Anything mm-hmm. just to try and keep that product in the right spot and of course keep your maintenance burden to the bare minimum. I don't want to be out there sweeping every weekend. Neither do you in your home garden. Absolutely not, no. So you're sort of touching on here that mulch is going to come in a bunch of different sizes and shapes and colours depending on the plant species, which part of the plant it comes from, and also how it's processed. Can you walk us through some of these different types and what are their strengths and weaknesses in the garden? Sure, Dan. So there's a core group of probably five different mulches that are worthwhile considering. We've got products that I would call virgin products. So products like pine bark and wood chip, of course, derive straight out of the timber industry. The pine bark is stripped off the pine trees before they're processed for for timber for the building industry or for paper pulp. The same uh, wood chips, of course, Mary and Jarrah wood chips that we tend to have here in in Perth, um, um, also harvested timbers that that are specifically produced. So those are both very, very clean, very, uh, you know, quite highly processed, but very, very clean, very consistent um, products. You can see, of course, classic pine bark has that beautiful red-brown colour to it. It retains that for a really, really long time, and it's much the same with those other types of wood chip as well. They tend to retain that colour for a really, really long time. But both of these products tend to have the natural saps or the natural uh, chemicals from these from the plants that they've been derived from present within them that, of course, also, you know, may have additional benefits, be it weed suppression and other things like that. They tend to be really, really long, long-lasting products. Next up, I guess, you've got your mulches, your budget-type products. So you've got mulch and black mulch in Perth, I know it's a little bit different to Melbourne, but black mulch and mulch tend to be really quite similar products in Perth. They tend to contain timber that is derived from waste processes, so green waste, for instance, you know, timber coming from or material coming out of those processes. That's then stored up and and goes through a pasteurizing process. So pasteurization where the natural process of composting compostation is uh, is used in order to heat up that pile of product above a certain temperature for a certain period of time in order to remove or kill any pathogens that may be present be it weed seeds or unwanted other unwanted plants or of course um, fungal and other diseases be it even phytophthora you know uh, dieback real severe issues so those kind of products you've got enviro mulch that's quite a budget type product um, tends to be uncolored and then you've got black mulch black mulch is typically an enviro mulch that's then been mixed through with peat um, a little bit of peat black peat will then go through and color that mulch really really consistently with a nice deep black color enviro mulch and black mulch black mulch tends to be really really popular for your for your commercial landscapes the uh, intensive commercial landscapes, be it you know the spaces around city buildings and 
industrial areas, things like that. And of course, for your home garden, that tends to be a really, really popular option. Your environment, of course, you tend to see in those big, wide open areas where more budget-friendly products is, is sought after. Your local council probably uses a lot of environment, for instance. Last thing, of course, you've got a couple of products sort of sit in between the environment budget end of the market and then you've got the, the wood chip and the pine bark virgin products at the other end of the market. Mm. And then we've got a couple of products um, that tend to be improved versions of an environment. So they're taking, for instance, um, waste, green waste material from mining activities, for instance, where they're having to clear the forest in order to mine that area. They're taking that clean, consistent material from that process and they're storing that up, pasteurizing it, screening it, and producing a really high-quality version of an environment, something that is clean, something that is consistent, something that is free of contaminants, but also, you know, gives you a nice black color and it's probably because of the timber that is within it is much longer lasting than your traditional environment probably would be. Products like that, in Perth, we have a couple of products that are pretty similar that, that, that are sort of derived from this type of process. There's forest mulch and boutique mulch are a couple of products that we see quite a lot that sort of sit in that middle, middle ground in between those, uh, uh, those other types of products. There's lots of different mulches out there and there's no one size fits all when it comes to these products. Of course, fundamentally, they all perform the same function, but it tends to be uh, an, an aesthetic choice as well as a long-term maintenance choice and a budget choice that drives up uh, which product is going, to be, is going to be used in a particular situation. So when we're talking about some of these mulches that are on the cheaper end something that i've heard them called as a forest floor mulch where you might have a lot of leaf debris in it and i've sort of noticed that they break down a lot quicker than some of the other types sure look if it's a forest floor type mulch i'd say probably don't use it reason okay. for that is that obviously if if there's lots of leaf litter, litter present in the mulch that you're buying to put into your garden then it can't have been pasteurized it hasn't been mm. through that, that composting process and so it must still have or at least it carries with it the risk of bringing in pathogens and bringing in weeds that you don't want in your home garden. I don't know about you, Dan, but I battle enough kaikyu at home, let alone <laughs> introducing that into my garden, into my, yeah. uh, my home garden, let alone cooch, let alone, you know, cocos palms. It's a classic one that we see in, here in Perth. Those those seed pods managed to make their way through the tree lopper uh, loppers machine into his wood chip. You spread that type of tree loppers mulch or that wood, uh, forest floor type mulch around your place, and sooner or later you see a few cocos palms start to grow up. Um, mm. I'd yeah, err against using those types of products, and of course they tend to be really really short, um, you know, short term options. The more leaf litter you're going to see in a mulch, that's going to decompose very, very quickly compared with the woody matter, um, which is what you're really, really after when it comes to a really good, high-quality mulch. 
So if one of our listeners may have just chopped down a tree yesterday and they've sort of chucked it through the wood chipper, it's not necessarily a very good idea to just chuck it straight on. You might want to let it age in a pile. How long would you recommend aging it for, Andre? Look, aging it is certainly worthwhile. But stepping back a step, if you've chopped down a tree in your own garden and and that tree is perfectly healthy, you haven't noticed any diseases, you haven't noticed any issues with that plant, then yeah, definitely go ahead and use that in your own garden. That's absolutely fine. I think the challenge and the problem starts to come in, of course, when you're introducing raw material back into your garden from elsewhere. Say, I mean, the tree lop is not going to be called in or not only going to be called in to attend to trees that are too close to power lines or unwanted for other reasons. They're also going to be called in for the tree that looks a bit unsightly, that looks Mm. a little bit unwell, that might be suffering from this disease or that disease. You know, that timber's all going to go through their their grinder and and their chipper, rock up in the back of their truck, and then that's going to come into your place. Um, Yeah, that's, that's the risk that's involved with those types of products. But certainly if you're... Chipping your your own timber at home and, and storing it up, I'd say store it up for you know at least a few weeks, ideally a couple of months. Turn it over a couple of times and uh, put a little bit of water on it. Try and get it doing the decomposition ahead of spreading it in your garden. That'll give you much better results, much longer lasting results. Yeah, and I'd also say maybe be a little bit careful because it can get pretty bloody hot in the in those mulch piles. It can, yeah, absolutely. Look, there's a reason why we're using um, heat from decomposition in order to, to pasteurize the mulch. No, it gets really, really hot. It's proper hot. I think it's <laughs> it's not unusual for fires to start in this type of system, in a commercial system. You know, there's a reason why um, that's certainly a risk. So, um, yeah, be aware of that. So is there a particular type of mulch that you would say is your favorite? Or does it always depend on the circumstances? Dan, look, hand on heart, I use pine bark at my place. <laughs> I think it's um, the most clean and consistent product. And I've really battled a fair bit of alkalinity with my soil at my home. So I've found that pine bark does help to remedy the issues involved with with alkaline soils. So certainly, yeah, I think pine bark is a, is a hard product to go past. I think personally for me, I find that the, the wood chip type products go grey before I'm ready mm-hmm. for them to and they don't retain that colour for long enough to make them a really, really nice option. But um, mm. at least pine bark, of course, it starts off quite a reddy brown and it and it fades to a, to a darker uh, darker woodland type brown um, mm. over time rather than going grey really, really quickly. Yeah, I think I agree. I love the pine bark. I think it looks the best. And what are your thoughts on dyed mulch? So it'll, I don't know if you have them in Perth, but in Melbourne we have a, a reddish coloured dyed one that people buy. Yeah, look, I I think those are really, really interesting products. They are not very popular in Perth. You tend to see them in home gardens from time to time, more often in home gardens than you will see those in commercial landscapes here in Perth. Melbourne has a bit more of a stronger history around using dyed uh, timber mulches, and I think there's there's certainly a place for those products moving forward within Perth. But, yeah, we don't have a lot of experience working with them. I think I can count on one hand over the last three years we've probably installed dyed mulch twice, Mm -hmm. 
out of some thousand jobs. So, yeah, mm. it's a very unusual product in Perth. Yeah, I've sort of found that the color goes on them. And there's also a black one in Melbourne as well. It, do you know if that's the same as the peak coating that you're talking about in Perth? Uh, yes, and I know that it's not. So, peach is okay. not dye and dye is not peat. Um, right. Yeah, peat is yeah, just heavy organic matter, um, essentially, you know, um, very, very old compost almost that has been stored in the soil that is then dug up and mixed through this mulch in order to keep it its colour. Um, whereas, of course, dye is a literal physical chemical dye that is, is mixed through with the mulch in that process. And some of the people that I've worked with, including some of my bosses, have been sceptical about using, you know, more chemicals than what is necessary in a garden. But I don't know what effect they have. Yeah, look, neither do I. My understanding is that the, the, the dyes that are used are food grade and um, proven to mm. be non-harmful and, and, and mm. very, very non-toxic for, for our environment and for, for human contact. I don't think that things would be um, found in our landscape uh, in, in on that type of commercial scale otherwise, at least in Australia. Mm. Um, at least there's in Australia. a reason why we've got that um, Australian standard for these for the supply of landscape materials. You know, that certainly comes into play. We certainly do watch out for other contaminants. Of course, most mulch is derived from waste material, be it green waste or other timber waste from other some some other type of industry. In Melbourne, it's there's a lot of uh, I guess hardwood timber fencing is the traditional type of you know neighbourhood fencing in, in Melbourne, mm. and so a lot of that goes. And when you may demolish a house, then that fence gets dug up and gets stuck in the back of the of the truck and taken off to a mulch processor and gets processed down into a mulch. Same here in Perth. You know, we see a lot of waste timber get processed into mulch and that is fantastic. But of course, it may produce product that is not suitable for every application. Some mm. waste timber has some pretty high heavy metal concentrations and things like that are, are always worthwhile being conscious of. Asking yourself whether, you know, if, if we're talking about, you know, copper logs, the classic, um, copper log, you know, if that's, that's mulched up and stuck back into your garden, do you really want to use that around your veggie patch? Yeah, definitely mm. not. Do you really want Good to use point. that in the, in the space where kids like mine, I've got a three year old at home and when he was what, one, eight months old, he would crawl around and play in the mulch and play out the back mm. of our place. Yeah. You know, do you want to have those types of products accessible? Probably not. So, mm. cleanliness of, of the material going into that process is, is important and is always something worth considering. I think recycled mulches are fantastic for wide open um, areas, you know, um, municipal gardens, local government, um, development sites, public open spaces. You know, those are fantastic products for those contexts how good they are for, for your own garden, it's a bit of a different story. Mm, good points. And I wonder if they use treated pine too. Well, that's just it. I think um, it doesn't take a lot of treated pine to be in a very, very large pile of mulch for you know it to show up with a bit of arsenic and a bit of lead and a bit of mercury in the, in the readings and the lab reports for those products. If you're concerned and if, you, if you're curious about this sort of thing, then have a chat with your commercial supplier um, or with the, the, the base processor of, the, of these materials, of these of these products. They'll have lab reports available 
showing the arsenic, the lead, and the, and the other heavy metal concentration of these products available for you to, to make an informed decision about their, their quality and their suitability for your, for your situation. So, Andre, how can people buy mulch? Sort of like how does it come packaged or how, how do they take it home? Yeah, mulch is a funny one. Um, obviously, I mean, hey, you can buy pine bark in bags from Bunnings, can't you? Um, you know, it's a pretty expensive endeavor. Buy mulch by the bag, by the 20 or 40 litre bag from Bunnings, but it's certainly available from, from those types of retailers. For most of us with our own gardens, it's much more cost effective and, and, and much more viable to borrow that family trailer and borrow your neighbor's trailer or, or of course, rent a trailer and go down and visit your local landscape supply yard, your local soil yard, and see what they have available. That tends to be a more cost-effective option and a much better option um, in terms of the choice of products that you have available to you. For us commercial um, uh, suppliers, we, well, for me and my business, we tend to buy mulch by the the semi-trailer, if not the road train. We would typically order mulch in intervals of 100 cubic metres at a time. Um, So it's a Bit of a different story, just an economy of scale as to what you're dealing with and uh, and who you should approach. But certainly, I guess, yeah, the local soil yard is, tends to be a real winner. And I guess a lot of the time when I've worked with mulch, I've just had it sort of delivered and dumped on someone's driveway and then you just sort of got to shovel it, you know, into a wheelbarrow and move it around. Yeah, definitely. Look... Back in the day when I was running my landscaping business, we used to use a um, an online uh, supplier of, of product. Of course, yeah, they had they had soil yards all over Perth, but they also had the ability for you to order your product straight away through their website for delivery as soon as tomorrow. Um, those are great options. Let's face it, we we don't all have big four drive or a Ute with a trailer hitch, the ability to tow that around, let alone. Uh, the ability to back a trailer down your driveway and into your position. Ordering mulch uh, online or calling your local soil yard, generally they'll be able to deliver to you as well. There's a few different options there to suit you and to suit your 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 context. Totally. And you guys sort of have a different method. Can you explain how that works to us? Yeah, sure. So Perth Materials playing PMB, we operate some pretty unusual machinery. Uh, at least in a WA context, uh, we operate a machine called a blower truck, which I like to think of it as being sort of a, a reverse vacuum cleaner, just scaled up to the size of a truck. So it's a very, very large semi-trailer uh, type truck that arrives on site already loaded with up to 30 cubic metres worth of mulch or soil, uh, whatever other products you want us to install. And uh, we lay out very, very large hoses connected onto the truck through wherever we need to go up to 250 metres away. Connect those all up, switch it on, and the guy on the end of the hose has a remote control on his hip where he's controlling the flow of materials. So he uh, literally blows the mulch into your landscape or into, into the situation very, very quickly, very, very efficiently and uh, far more more efficiently than, than traditional landscaping methods. So that machine, of course, a blower truck is, is a really, really great option if you're dealing with a really challenging situation. Let's say you're a commercial landscaper 
and you need 300 cubic metres worth of mulch installed over this big wide open area, yeah, you could use a bobcat, but you're going to leave tyre tracks all over the place and you're still, need to get a set, still going to need a to send a team of labourers through there to rake it out and give it a nice, clean, level finish afterwards. So using the blower truck can be a really, really nice option for those big, wide-open areas because it gives a nice, clean, consistent finish to the mulch. And, of course, we're not driving across it, so we're not compacting it during the installation process. The blower truck also comes into its own when you're working down the side of the freeway and it's a steep embankment where getting machinery onto those those steep embankments is, is just not an option, let alone pushing wheelbarrows up that hill. That's <laughs> just not going to happen. So, yeah, it's a, it's a far more versatile machine. And, of course, um, for the home garden, if you're dealing with, let's say, you've got a beachfront home, um, and you're, you, and it's built into a sand dune and, and every garden bed within your home or within your, uh, your property is on a different level. How are you going to get access through to all of these different areas? That's where the blower truck can come into its own. That hose doesn't care if it's going up, if it's going down, if it's going left, if it's going right. We can go up to a hundred meters vertical if we need to. Yeah. It gives you options which you otherwise wouldn't have and replaces a hell of a lot of, of manual handling. Yeah, I've tried to do rooftop gardens before with a wheelbarrow, and that's not much fun. Oh, look, you haven't lived unless you've been a landscaper and used the lift all day on a Saturday <laughs> trying to fill up a rooftop garden in the in an apartment complex, you know. Um, yeah, those jobs exist. It, they're a real headache for landscapers. They're really, really difficult from an access perspective. Landscaping being a finishing trade, while, of course, a, a new apartment complex is built using a crane, the crane has usually been packed up and taken away mm. by the time the landscaper gets on site. So lifting bags of product up to those rooftop gardens isn't always an option. That's where the blower truck really does come into its own. We can send the hose straight up the side of the buildings, attach it to the scaffolding or attach it to the facade itself, and, um, and, and yeah, send the soil straight up the side of the building and blow it directly into those garden beds, wherever they may be. Mm, absolutely. I think um, about nine months ago, we did a nine-storey apartment complex in South Perth, so riverfront, beautiful area in, in the middle of Perth. For that particular project, there were about 10 or 15 different garden beds with them interspersed at different levels across this entire building. So, of course, the penthouse apartment at the very, very top had the vast majority of the garden beds. It had maybe five or six garden beds throughout it. Some 15 or 20 cubic meters needed of soil needed to go into that, um, that level. But then every second level down also had another two or three cubic meter garden bed that it need, that needed filling. Um, we were able to disconnect the hose and and, and install all of those uh, all that soil all in the space of one day um, mm -hmm. across that entire job site, minimising the labour, minimising the manual handling, and of course giving a nice uh, positive outcome for, for the builder. 
and for a fraction of the cost of hiring in a crane and closing the street in order to lift those bags up to those levels. And are there any other circumstances where using this blowing machine can actually end up being cheaper than moving mulch by hand? Yeah, it's a tough one, Dan, because the blower truck really comes into its own with economy of scale. So it's like if you have massive open fields, it's going to take someone with a wheelbarrow a really long time. (laughs) And, you know, getting paid by the hour, it might end up being worth it just to bring in the blower truck just to get that done. And you might think, oh, that's too expensive, but maybe come and ask. Look, that's just it, Dan. I think that the big wide open areas, you know, where you you could spend the next – well, the next month pushing wheelbarrows in order to spread mulch throughout this big wide open area. Or you could have the blow truck there for half a day or one day in order to install the same volume of product. That's where this machine really comes into its own. It's that efficiency and it's use getting the most out of, out of your staff. If you're a small landscaper and you are overwhelmed with the number of jobs that you're doing, you just don't have the staff in order to keep up with that workload. Just imagine having a contractor that can come in, that can install all of your mulch, that can do it to the same standard as you would expect if you were doing it with your staff without you having to have anybody on site, with your Mm. staff already moving on to the next project. That's Mm. the benefit of this machinery. It Mm. uh, gives you the same outcome as 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 installing by hand without taking that that period of time that uh, that long extended period of time recently last week we installed 140 cubic meters of pine bark at one particular commercial landscaping project it had to be installed on thursday so that the plants could be installed on friday morning and so that sign off with the client could happen on friday afternoon that would never have been installed by hand in that period of time Um, that's Mm. where this machine comes into its own. Absolutely. So, look, you and I have both moved mulch by hand. So, you know, it's a big job, but having the right tools makes all the difference. What are your thoughts on the mulching fork versus the concreting shovel? Oh, look, there's no question. The right tool for the job makes the world a difference, doesn't it, Dan? Absolutely. The mulch fork... Um, particularly a really big, wide, you know, maybe 10 times that are maybe two centimetres apart, so reasonably close together, that makes life so much easier. That is probably the first tool that you really should buy when you're starting your landscaping business. It just makes life Mm. so much easier, so much more efficient, so much nicer on your body as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Those little tricks like using that tool, as expensive as it may be, make a really, really, really big difference makes it so much easier to pick up that product and to load a wheelbarrow really quickly and really easily. And, of course, at the other end, you can use it to pick up the mulch out of the wheelbarrow and to spread it very quickly around plants if they're not too Mm. close together. It's a really versatile tool and it's a really, really great option. It's Using a shovel to lift mulch is really, really tough to have the office. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's all good and well as long as it's still in the back of the user and in the trailer and you can get up underneath it. But if you're just trying to dig straight into that product, it's really, really hard work and it's going to make that job so much harder mm. than it needed to be. Yeah. Once it's on the grass or, you know, if you're trying to get it off the top or, you know, all that stuff, the concreting shovel, yeah, like you say, oh, a, that's it can be a little bit more difficult. <laughs> yeah. Cleanup is one thing, but yeah, when you're installing it, yeah, you definitely want a mulch fork. And then, of course, from cleanup and frog cleanup, we find that using a blower is way easier 
than, yeah. than, than any other method. If you've got a backpack bar, that's great, but hey, not everybody is Jim's mowing with, with all those little tools. But if you've got mm. even just one of those, uh, those smaller leaf blowers, is a really, really nice tool to use to clean mulch, particularly your light products like wood chip and pine bark up off, <laughs> off paving and other surfaces. Using that tends to be far quicker and far easier than, than using a rake or using a broom, for instance. Mm, I agree. Yeah, you never get it all off with a broom. Never, never, ever, ever. It'll stick to the broom. Or just end up in the furry little bits around the edge of your broom. <laughs> yeah, you've got to buy a new broom as well. That's it. And you probably have to go out and buy a blower anyway. Pretty much. That's it. <laughs> and so when does sort of using a bucket become more advantageous than using a wheelbarrow to move the stuff? I loved using a bucket. I found that, um, you know, those really big 60 or 80 litre plastic buckets you can get from Bunnings, I think. Um, I found those to be a really, really nice option for installing mulch around a more densely planted landscape and, of course, around plants where which are really quite fragile. Um, if you're installing, um, it just gives you that ability to control the flow of material coming out of that bucket and putting it in exactly where it needs to go. Um, without covering up too many plants in the process and without causing more damage than it was worth. Um, and of course, you know, there's nothing like a bucket. If you don't have a blower truck around and you're having to go up a set of stairs, then using that type of, you know, using a bucket is a great option for those situations. Mm, totally agree. What about you, Dan? What did you find? Oh, I, everything that you just said. Yeah, if I'm moving it around plants that are densely packed, bucket because I can lift it over and I can get it in between them or if I'm lifting it up a hill you know maybe I'd there's one job in particular I can remember and we called it goat country <laughs> and gosh I wish we had a wee bloke because yeah this was buckets up a hill and that was a full day for two guys and yeah there's back breaking stuff walking up the steps but you just couldn't get a wheelbarrow up there because the steps were just too high and I think you're lucky that it was only a full day for two guys yeah. and it was only a small garden too it wasn't a huge garden Oh, look, that's it. I, um, back with my landscaping business, I don't know, it's probably five, six years ago now that we did a residential property out in, out in the Perth Hills in a, in a suburb called Rollystone. Rollystone is, yeah, it's pretty steep. It's a pretty steep area. And, and this particular property was no exception. It was <laughs> as steep as it gets here in Perth, at least. And we had to install, I think, off the top of my head, I'd say somewhere around 30 cubic meters worth of Envirimulch across this property. And mm. that installed by hand with two guys was easily a week's worth of work, if not longer. Now that's probably took about a mm -hmm. week for us to install that 30 cubic meters. It was so slow, so steep, mm. it was so difficult for access that it just took such a long time. Nowadays, today, hell, somebody will call me in and, 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 Post materials blowing would rock up with their their big blower truck and would do it all in the space of maybe a couple of hours. Um, yeah, you know it's a very very different story, but it's all about using the right tool for the right situation. Couldn't agree more. So I guess there's a bit of a saying that I've heard, and they say it takes one person one hour to move one cubic meter of mulch, but that's going to take a lot longer if there are obstacles or you know as we're talking about if there's steep hills or if the plants are really sort of tightly packed. 
So how long does it take you guys to move a meter of mulch compared to how long it takes to move it by hand? Look, that's really, really important. I think um, this morning I visited a job that we were working out. We were doing a childcare centre over in Swanbourne, new uh, new playground being installed there. This morning's job, we were on site for about an hour and we installed 22 cubic metres worth of mulch. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's a lot faster than one, one cubic metre per person per hour. Um, a typical day on the tools, we would expect our team to install around 90 cubic metres worth of product with mulch. Um, you know, the biggest day that I've seen on record with our guys with reloading on site is about 180 cubic metres per <laughs> in, a, in a day. So, yeah, it, it comes out very, very quick. Um, I think at full pace, seeing maybe a cubic metre installed every two minutes. So, no, it, it really does come out at pace. Um, but that's mm. the power of the blower truck and that's where it really mm. does come to its own. That one machine, um, the operator on the end of the hose can, can dial it back. He can install it really, really, really hard and really fast if it's a playground and the mulch is being installed 30 or 40 centimetres deep. But he can dial it right back um, to something much more gentle and much more controllable if he's installing it throughout the surrounding landscape around plants in that area. Then, you know, you've got that mechanical pace, but you've got that, uh, that, that human control, that human element to this machine that really does make the difference. Um, but yeah, no, it's incredibly fast when, when it goes, gets up and gets going. Yeah. So when we're laying mulch around plants, I guess, you got to sort of be careful about making sure that you're not covering the stems and that you're also not leaving mulch in the leaves at the top as well. Oh, absolutely. Look, of course, certain plants are really going to suffer from this more than others. But typically what we would say is that if it's a, if it's a woody plant, if it's a shrub uh, or, or another type of woody plant or if it's, a, if it's a tree, whether it's a small tree or a large tree, you really, really should pull the mulch away from the base of the plant. I think that this tends to be more of an issue in in Melbourne and in those uh, those wetter climates with a bit of a heavier soil where you tend to see that standing water being an issue, but certainly collar rot is the concern in those contexts where a fungal disease will get in underneath the bark of those woody type of shrubs, get in through the mulch that is holding that moisture around the base of the plant and uh, get in under the bark and, and cause all sorts of issues for that plant. We tend not to see so much collar rot in Perth, but that not that's uh, that notwithstanding, absolutely, we always should be pulling the mulch just a couple of centimeters away from the base of all of these plants. And of course, you definitely don't want the mulch mixed through with the mixed through the leaves of the plants, especially with your, your grassy types of plants, your kangaroo paw and the mandra, dianella, those types of plants. Yeah, you don't want the mulch going through the middle of those plants. Um, it's just going to make them ugly and they're mm. not going to like it. They're not going to grow well in those situations. And some plants are going to suffer from that more severely than others. Um, yeah. You know, pine bark mulch around uh, azalea or um, gardenia, they're, they're not going to shrug off that type of treatment. They want to be treated a little bit more nicely than that. Uh, mm. Don't you find that? Oh, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, everything you're saying is absolutely correct. And, you know, like put yourself in your customer's shoes as well. 
as the customer or the client sort of walks out their front door and they, they're about to take in their invoice off you, and they're sort of looking at the garden, do you really want them to see that mulch sitting in the lamandra there, even if it's not going to hurt the plant? Look, that's it. I think fundamentally you're there in order to deliver a quality outcome and and to use your professional expertise to deliver the best possible outcome for your client. And, uh, you know, that little bit of diligence goes a mighty, mighty long way, um, that attention to detail, making sure that things are cleaned up appropriately, making sure that the mulch isn't left scattered around in places where it shouldn't be, doing the weeding before you start to spread the mulch. Mm. All those little things, they pay off. But uh, hopefully... Hopefully you don't see that, at least if you're not hiring a professional to do these jobs for you. <laughs> yeah, I've worked with people who've done it, sadly, and you sort of like have to go around and clean it up after them. And um, yeah, you know, it just makes a big difference about how you put the mulch in in the first place, about how much extra work you're going to make for yourself sort of during the cleanup. It does make a huge difference. I think that context is everything as well, of course. Um the standards and the expectations in a commercial landscape are different to what they are for your home garden. You know, for a commercial landscape, so long as it meets specification, meets the spec, is consistent, is clean, it's um, horticulturally sound, you know, the plants are in the ground at the appropriate depth, the mulch is spread to the appropriate depth. You know, things don't, they need to look good, they need to look presentable, but it's not the same level of detail orientation that, that you would expect in your home garden. Um, mm. In your home garden, no, it's an entirely different story. Absolutely. You know, I'm the classic example. I've, I've had, you know, contractors go through and mow my lawn and, and, and trim our hedges and then I've worked my way through after them just redoing a couple of little things here and there that I wasn't happy with. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, that attention to detail makes the world a difference but um, the detail orientation is different depending upon the context Mm, yeah and as you say meeting spec is different depending on the commercial setting that you're working at i've worked on westfields and meeting spec is a different thing to working you know at the back of some factory oh absolutely Absolutely. You know, the prominence of a landscape and, and, um, and how significant that, um, that space is within the client's portfolio. Yeah. All of those things add up to change where, where the goalposts really are with your client. With our guys, we really push our team to deliver a clean, consistent, high quality outcome at every project. You know, we expect the mulch to be installed consistently. Let's say that we are aiming for a depth of 75 millimeters on paper um, we expect the mulch to be somewhere between 85 and 65 millimeters because a centimeter here and there in a commercial landscape is absolutely fine but if we discover that it is um, you know 10 centimeters deep over here and only five centimeters deep over there that's an issue you know consistency and attention to detail is uh, really important. But, of course, it all comes back to the process that you use to achieve that outcome as well. If you do that proper, you know, the planning and the preparation makes it much easier to achieve a high-quality outcome within your garden, whether it's your home landscape or something a bit bigger. So you guys as a company don't just do mulch, do you? No, we install soil and we install compost and we install a couple of other products, you know, sand and, and aggregate as well, using the blower truck. And so the same benefits will apply to all of those products? 
Well, yeah, of course, the benefits are, are subtly different depending on the product. So if it's um, soil, of course, we've got rooftop soil mixes that we use to, to, to use in those, in those certain situations and planter box soil mix that is appropriate for those situations as well. Um, you know, of course, fundamentally, the benefits are the same. The machine is able to to reach into these areas and uh, and install product at speed into spaces which would otherwise be inaccessible um, by traditional methods. Um, when it comes to um, sand and gravel, I think gravel is more of a common product for for installation within Melbourne. Um, than it is in Perth, at least by blower okay. truck. Um, as much as we've got an arid climate here and an arid landscape, um, we tend to find that gravel is installed in areas that have pretty good, pretty wide, pretty open access. So the blower truck and the benefits involved with it are not so pivotal. Of course, we've got other machines that can assist with that. We've got a slinger truck that throws the product in and throws gravel in really, really well and spreads it out nice and consistently to a great depth, um, to a very, very consistent depth within those situations. So um, there's a few other benefits involved with that. And then sand is a really, really interesting one. Sand is a really, really popular um, material for use in playgrounds in Perth, washed white sand, is what you would typically see in, in your local playground. Maybe a little bit of soft fall mulch, but you typically see a bit of uh, wash white sand there as well. Installing wash white sand by hand in some spaces is near on impossible. You know, in the very middle of a school mm. quadrangle where there's no means of access for a bobcat and there's no, and you know, you might be pushing wheelbarrows 100 or 150 meters in order to get access into this space that's where the blower truck comes into its own we can hook up the hoses and off we go blowing that mm. that type of product into those situations um yeah we do a little bit of all of those things but uh, fundamentally of course the access benefits are the same yeah that's what we're talking about here the access benefits of using the blower truck yes we're not saying that the benefits of gravel and sand are the same as the benefits of mulch goodness no 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 these products are all you know Contextual. Compost, you know, some landscapers swear by spreading compost over a finished landscape and they love using that as sort of a type of mulch to finish off that landscape. I think there's a couple of benefits there. Obviously, you know, they're using that compost in order to introduce more nutrients down into the soil underneath that and to, to, to really drive the growth of the plants within that system. But the compost is just not going to last. It's not going to last long. It's not going to look good for long. It's going to degrade really quite quickly within that space. And it's not going to insulate the soil against drying out um, in the hot, dry sun, the wind that we face here in Perth. So really, from our perspective, absolutely spread compost before installing plants. Incorporate that deep into the soil use that to really drive the um, fertility of the soil underneath and then spread mulch over the top, spread a nice coarse mulch over the top of the soil after after installing the plants in order to get those main benefits, those insulating benefits of the mulch after the fact. Thanks, Andre. Is there anything else that you'd like the listeners to know about? Dan, look, yeah, Perth Materials Buying, we're a pretty new business. We've been in Perth, uh, let's see, about two and a half years now, coming up to three years mid-year, mid this year. 
We've got some really, really exciting machinery. That blower truck, of course, is a really amazing piece of kit to use within your landscape to get things done in a way that otherwise wouldn't be possible. And, of course, we've got this beautiful slinger truck that can, can throw product or can deliver product in some other really challenging locations. The slinger truck has a big boom that comes out from the back of it with a conveyor belt on the back where it can extend out up to five metres away and, and, and pour the product wherever it is located, be it you know up on top of a retaining wall and, and into a landscape. Or it can throw it. It can speed up the conveyor belt and it can throw it out and spread it out as it moves along mm. through a space, allowing you to get the efficiency of that type of system and, and the precision without needing to have, you know, a bobcat moving through an area without needing to have guys on shovels and wheelbarrows pushing, uh, pushing wheelbarrows through that space. Um, some really, really innovative machinery and some fantastic products that come with that, of course. Um, if we're buying mulch by the road train, then you're going to see some pretty good price benefits that come with that. And, and we pass those on to our clients, of course. Really, really mean pricing that comes with that. We're excited to be supporting the landscaping industry here in Perth and we look forward to uh, continue to do that moving forward. Fantastic. Ripper, mate. Thanks for coming on the show, Andre. Dan, much appreciated. Throughout February, we've been doing two episodes per week. And as today is the 28th, this will be the last episode through February. Don't worry, though. We'll be going back to our weekly schedule of episodes being uploaded every Sunday Arvo, Aussie time, ready for the Monday morning commute. If you'd like to support this podcast, we'd love it if you could share a link to your friends, family and work colleagues to help spread the word and initiate them into the secrets of this thing that we call horticulture.